0: This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself, entitled Community Guidelines. Uh, You can find all of our Shabbat messages wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can also get my dad's weekly essays that he writes emailed to you if you put your email in the little email subscribe box. And as always, our theme music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. His website is evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors around. Okay, real quickly before we get into Matthew 18, um, my dad and I were talking the other day about the world and the state of the world, you know, all kinds of depressing stuff like that, and um, anyways, we got talking about economics, and I'm sure you know all about this, Uh, and the financial system and, and how much debt the world actually has and the nation has and essentially how it'll never come out of it um, which I believe will usher in you know the one world beast economic system and uh, monetary system uh, which if you don't conform and comply and assimilate uh, you'll be excluded from so uh, but so interestingly you know so there's so much to talk about economics and the financial system but like if you, you look at and what made me think of it again is the Jubilee, the year of Jubilee, it, the biblical model for economics is every 50 years you, you had the, the year of jubilee and all debts would be forgiven. all mm-hmm. land would go back to uh, the original property owners and so you would have this mash nas- national reset of the economic foundations of everything because I was listening to this one podcast I sent it to you Chris Uh, and basically uh, capitalism which is which is what I guess you could loosely say is is what's in the bible it's not a perfect system because it's not based on the bible and eventually it, it leads to uh problems because people are inherently problematic and so the Bible has in, in, in place systems and checks and balances to uh, keep things running in a fallen world. That's essentially what God's Word is, is. It's an infusion of life into a fallen world to sustain and maintain everything. Economics, government systems, health, families, culture, uh, how we do business, uh, all these things. And so the further you get away from that, The more that you say, oh, that doesn't really apply, or that was for them back there, or this change now, which is all that's evolutionary thinking, and uh, flies in the face of God, and you're parroting the line, yea hath God said, uh, which goes back, is is demonic really, you end up infusing chaos into your own life. And we all do that, and that's why it's so important to be... Firmly rooted in the scriptures, to know the scriptures, to teach the scriptures to our children, to the next generation. Because the other thing that happens is, you know, the word of God does not get passed on through osmosis. And that's, Moses told us that, you know, you shall diligently teach these things unto your children so that they will be blessed and so that they will carry them out. And that's why he said, you, it, the covenant, when they were getting ready to go in the land... And he says, the covenant was not made with them who were back there, but every one of you who are standing here today. I.e. The, the covenant that God makes with his people is renewed to every generation. And so it is incumbent upon every generation to choose this day whom you will serve. Um, so that's all free pre, pre stuff. All right, Matthew 18. So I want to... Um, I guess we'll just read it and um and then we'll I'll kind of I, mean, I don't know what I'll do. Well, I'll either talk along the way or sum it up and probably talk along the way. Um so because I was I've been reading through Mat- Matthew re- somewhat recently in my in my reading and I love the gospels. I love reading uh, about Yeshua and his responses and how he interacts with everyone and and the scenarios that arise because they're so they're so real. They're very uh, applicable to today and our life and just human, human nature. And so I just love uh, uh, what, what comes up here. So we're going to go through it and just uh, talk about some of these passages. And I think hopefully it will be a blessing to you guys. Because um, I don't know, for me, reading the New Testament, especially now with more of a holistical, holistic Torah-based whole Bible perspective, uh, a lot of these things that cur- get turned into, you know, Chris- Christian, uh, whatever, principles and, and belief, uh, oh, I'm hungry apparently, positions, uh, they, they get turned into their own thing that then people make a crusade on that's erroneous and not really attached to anything else. And so, anyways, it's so important to look at the Bible as a holistic thing. Duh, you know. It's like we forget that when they were living the new testament there was no new testament okay yet they figured out and wrote down everything that's in the new testament so obviously it's harmonious with the old testament it's this isn't difficult okay so let's read here oh my god all right matthew 18 <coughs> well let's pray first heavenly father god thank you for this day and for your word, and for this time to be together. And I just uh, pray that you would uh, open up your word, speaking into our hearts and our minds, that we might uh, internalize it. Live it, do it, uh, be blessed, and serve and obey you, and be strengthened. In Yeshua's name I pray, amen. All right, so Matthew 18. At the same time came the disciples unto Yeshua, and saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Yeshua called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be, con- uh, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believeth in me it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet, to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes, to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven." For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. All right, we'll pause here. So I really, I love this passage because he's talking about children and kids and the importance of teaching them and uh, being like a little child. And and really, it's a lesson in humility because they come to him and say, hey God, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Which is what mankind always strives for we always want to you know be the best and work our way up the ladder and succeed and who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and and he basically gives them a lesson in humility and in the character of God because Moses was the most humble man that ever lived apart from Yeshua and he was the leader of Israel in the wilderness and liberated them from, brought them out of, out, of, out of Egypt. Yeshua was incredibly humble. You know, he ate with all the nerdy wells and the vagabonds of society, which religious good people don't do and don't, don't act, it's just not done. And uh, so, you know, in, I think even in our day and age in our culture, I tend to think of myself in like on my... Uh, tendency to pre to judge prejudge people, not necessarily cast judgment, but you know, to, like a man like David, you know, we would all write him off completely. You know, if he was a modern day pastor, oh, <laughs> clearly David wasn't saved. You know, he's not. He's a bad guy. We don't care what he says. Well, obviously not. God knew something otherwise. You know, you got this guy who, I mean. The amount of blood that was on his hands from the various sins that he committed was was massive you know to to whom much is g- given much is required yet somehow inside him was this heart that uh, that had a relationship with God and walked with God and he you know was the leader of Israel, united the kingdom you know was the forerunner of a type of messiah so I don't know, how we wrap our brains around that on a human level, I don't know that you necessarily can, but somehow God can. But I think that's the beauty of the Bible and the Scriptures, is that we, we all are like a David, whether we go out and commit adultery or murder, or we contemplate it on a regular basis. So it's important to be humble, you know, have a humble spirit just in, our, in ourselves, in our own lives, with our children, with our families, those around us. And so they say, whose is going to be great in the kingdom of heaven? And Yeshua calls a little child unto them. He says, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So I find that so, I mean, that's essentially what he's saying was the new birth, the salvation is being saved. When you become, we were talking about this, Brandon, the other day, when you become born again, well, you're not full born, you're not, you don't, nobody comes out as an adult, Right. You're a, you're a helpless, pathetic baby. And, and that's how all of us are, are converted and are born and, and grow as little children. And so you're helpless, essentially, when you're first born. You don't know anything. And so then you start the lifelong journey of, of living, of working out your salvation and becoming a child of God, growing. Paul talks about meat or milk and then meat, you know, and understanding the deeper and the bigger things in the Word. Yet he's saying you have to stay humble in that, and the more position uh, of authority or whatever that you may have, the more humble you you should actually be. It's kind of like um, so. I, I do jujitsu, and so when before I did jujitsu, I would have walked around on the streets and think oh, I can handle myself. If I ever got into a fight, you know, I'd be fine. I'd see my, you know, my short little jujitsu instructor and think, I could probably take him. So then you start doing jujitsu and you learn all your instincts are wrong. Everything you you naturally think to do is completely wrong. (laughs) So then you start to learn and you start to retrain your mind, right? So keep in your mind, this is also our walk with God and our growth and our spiritual path that we have to go through. And so you learn and you learn and you learn. And basically what happens is as you get better, you learn. And it's like anything. The more you learn, the more you realize, you realize how, how much bigger it is than you even realize. So when you first start out jujitsu, jitsu when you're a baby, all you know is your mom's arms, right? All you know is this, this teeny little circle of experience. And as you experience more and experience more, the bubble gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger but you realize how much more. So in jujitsu, what you realize isn't, you know, you're, you're beginning out white belt and you, th- you, re- you find you basically learn like 10 basic moves and you're like, okay, if I can like handle those 10 basic moves, but then your instructor adds a little more, adds a little more and you realize, whoa, I can get choked or joint locked from a million different possible ways. And you realize how big and dangerous the whole world is. And hopefully, the reaction should be we should be humbled right so even more the more larger the world is and the more the more expansive your experience gets in life the more humble we should become because as we grow the more comprehension we have of our heavenly father of god who created everything that how expansive and all powerful he is that we can't even conceive and that should should humble us and keep us in a point of humble such that we interact with each other in a caring and loving way. And so I mean and Yeshua is serious about this. He says, Except ye converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on and says, talks about how, you know, uh, basically I think gives a little example of humility and, and how someone will interact with children, and if they offend one of these little ones, you know, there's huge, dire consequences. It'd be better if a millstone were hung about your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Like, wow, well, that, he, he is so full of love, you know, he's so caring. He's saying no, because what he realizes it is, and we've lost in our culture, there is, there is massive consequences to seemingly small choices and decisions and actions that are taken. And so when you, when you wreck a child mentally, I'm sure you see it all the time, well, we all see it all the time. When you, when you mess up a child mentally, I see it with horses, when you disrupt them, especially at a young age, you cause a lifetime of chaos that then just spreads like a cancer into the culture and those that they touch around them and they live out a perpetual mental battle. And we all do to some degree just because of the way we grow up. But his his point being that it's it's a massive, important task in how we interact with the, the youth and children. And it's so important that the consequences. it'd be better if you're going to mess up a kid's life, it'd be better if you were just dead. That is essentially what he's saying. And, he, and then he goes on and says, you know, there's going to be offenses in the world, but woe unto you who by offenses come. It'd be better if you cut off your arm, gouged out your eye. So there's this, this idea of lesser and greater, that the, the wake of chaos that can be caused by seemingly small insignificant acts it is so much greater than if you just lopped off an arm and did us all a favor. And so it's, it's, you know, that's where it drives me insane where people, you know, out of their complete ignorance of human nature and the Bible will say, well, uh, the whole, you know, an eye for eye makes the whole world blind. Well, maybe you'd be better off if we were. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And, but it's like, no, you retard. The Bible set forth, a premise or a guidepost of equal justice if you're going to harm someone there is consequences there are consequences for sin and just because you believe in god doesn't mean if you rob a bank tomorrow well i believe in god my sins are washed away it's like no there are still there's still consequences and so we live that out and so again a good dose of humility Will keep us hopefully on the right track. I think is what he's saying here. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Eleven. For the sum of man is come to save that which was lost. Twelve. How think ye? If a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth. more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy now he's going to expand, he's going to keep going. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So I guess I shouldn't have pointed out your socks in public. <laughs> Uh, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee. Uh, I, I want to preface this by again. This is whole. This is all a an exercise in humility of understanding your position before God relative to your brother, and then that bears out how you interact with each other. So, if he will not hear thee, verse sixteen, take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, then tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and as a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Okay, and then we'll pause there, because Peter's going to go on and be like, wait a minute, I need clarification. So, what we have here is this this illustration of a trespass of a brother. And I think Yeshua, again, brings it up on the heels of this whole idea of humility and being as a little child, and then how you're going to interact with each other with a graciousness and a mercy and an understanding that's very long-suffering, because you understand who and what you are, and so... Kind of like, you know, don't, don't cast stones at your brother until you get the, the beam out of your own eye. I'm butchering that verse, but that's okay. Um, and then it goes on, and these verses get uh, pulled out of context all the time. 19, um, if two of you shall agree on earth touching anything that you shall ask. Verse 20, two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That gets used all the time, completely out of context. This has nothing to do with like, well, if two or three of you are over in a field and you ask for something random, you know, a bag of gold is going to fall out of the sky. It's like, that's not at all. The context here is dealing with congregational affairs. So first off, it assumes that people are getting together and meeting, as we're supposed to. And then how you deal with situations that arise in the congregation. There's a process, there's humility, and then he is saying that there is congregational authority to then deal with the situations that arise. And if two or three of you, probably the ones in authority, get together and make a decision on this, consulting each other in the Word, then basically God backs what ends up dealing there. But it's not some random ruling you can't say that the sabbath's been done away this isn't giving you heavenly authority to do whatever you want it's giving you authority to work out what um what authority god has bestowed upon you to enforce in the community already is what's going on here you're not inventing anything new and so these verses get used all the time and and get ripped out of context and um but it has to do with congregational affairs we're largely dealing with disciplinary things and, uh, and how that's to be engaged in a spirit of humility. And so uh, then Peter's like, well, all right, uh, since we're talking about, you know, people offending me, I've been offended a whole bunch. How do I deal with this? So Peter goes on and says and verse uh, 21, Peter comes to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. And Yeshua said unto him, "Until seven times, uh, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Wherefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king? So he's now he's going to tell him a story. He's going to be like, okay, let me illustrate for this for you, because I think what Yeshua does from here, the three main things that he's really trying to get across to his disciples in this conversation is humility. Uh, mercy for, and, and forgiveness and a graciousness and an operating spirit according to his word. And, and so he's, he's telling them all these things to kind of try to reiterate that and then he's going to tell them a story to try to illustrate this point. So, talking about forgiveness now because Peter's thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, I've got this guy who's offending me, you know, maybe... Because he's thinking in his head like, Okay, we don't kick him out of the congregation because he says, you're right, I'm sorry. But the next week he goes and he does the same thing. How do we deal with this guy? And so Yeshua is now going to talk about this. 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But... For as forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, uh, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, that they were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have, have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered unto the tormentors, that he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. Oh, I just, like, that's just so penetrating. So, I mean, he just like, I don't know. I'm sure Peter probably didn't have much to say after that. <laughs> you know, so he, so Peter's, because Peter's thinking, you know, we have this jerk who just keeps, you know, doing the same thing all the time. We're always dealing. He's such a headache and he won't, you know, learn and it's taking you know, how are we going to deal with this guy? And so Yeshua says, yes, Peter. But I forgave you, didn't I? And I'm, I'm taking my time with you, and I'm having mercy on you. If you can't show the same compassion and mercy and long-suffering with your fellow brethren, then you'll be delivered to the tormentors until you pay all your debt. Because it goes back to this heart. For if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses so there has to be this change in our heart uh, that's tr- which is really the transformation process because when we are born again when we're a child of God when we're adopted and we receive the spirit of God we have a new spirit but we you know the, the working out your salvation with fear and trembling is this lifelong process with wherewith we, are still dealing with our our wicked hearts that's why anyone who says well i just operate according to my heart that's really bad news because the bible tells us your heart is desperately wicked and no man can know it and we are double-minded nobody even knows himself that's why you, you think oh my gosh how did i have that such a whole horrible thought so That's why we have to rely on God and his word and do what it says and work it out every day and analyze ourselves and have a humble attitude and spirit so that in a community setting, especially, we can interact with each other with mercy, with compassion, with love, such that it creates an atmosphere of of growth and camaraderie. Because unfortunately, in today's day and age, and, and, You know, I don't know you guys, but, you know, sometimes church people and the church is the worst group of people to hang out with. You know, I you know if you've had that experience. And it ought not be. And I think a lot of it has to do with poor communication, you know, because what's the first thing he said to do? You got to go talk to that brother in private. Well, nobody likes confrontation. If I say, you know, Kevin, uh, you're not. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I can pick on Kevin. This is easy, you know. I mean, uh, every time you come in, your shirt's dirty, whatever, you know. And so, but <laughs> it, if if you can't, that's why he starts with those interpersonal relationships, the baseline communication level that if that is not there, and if you don't, Swallow your own pride and your own humility and your own lack of wanting to have to deal with this uh, situation, things they grow, right? It becomes a problem. You've got a cut, it's infected, you don't treat it. Well, it just gets worse, right? So, it's the same thing in the body of Messiah. And so, you have to be humble, thankful for the mercy that God has bestowed on each and one, every one of us because we did not deserve it. And then spread that to those who we interact with around us and have mercy and have long-suffering and patience because we're all different. All of us are in different places in our growth and our life. You, you know, it's like, uh, again, just do analogy. It's like I've, I've been at it two years. There's guys that have been at it for 25 years. You know, they, they don't mash on me and beat the crap out of me because, for the most part, uh, because I'm a new guy and he needs to learn his place. I mean there's a little bad there would be some of that if I was gonna be an arrogant SOB. Uh and so you get humbled real fast. And then and then what happens is if that new person doesn't have a humble spirit who can learn and grow, probably gonna leave of their own accord. So there's this this natural bodily checks and balances that are are built in. But what's What's the worst is if you have arrogance and pride that starts to creep in that won't uh, allow humility and conversation to take place. And and that just tears things apart. So, anyway, that's it for today. We'll pray and break. Heavenly Father, God, again, I thank you for this day, for your Word, for the lessons in it. and uh, Just I love how Yeshua, you, you just... Speak such truth and it's just so penetrating and it just lays bare human nature and, and, and mental processes in our our battle of life that we go to through and and how you provide illustrations and instruction for all things that we deal with and I just thank you for that and I just pray even in our little assembly that you would bless it and grow it and keep us humble and uh, and help us just to serve and obey you and, and um, be a light to the world that more would turn from the wickedness of the world and from sin and be born again and choose to live for you and grow and uh, build your kingdom because you are returning. And so I just thank you for all these things, God, in your shoes name I pray. Amen.